Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with Alan Alder, Sue Bailey and me, Matt Bentman. Today, the astonishing range of new foods at the Cambridge Cheese Company. We spent an afternoon gorging on them and knew immediately that it was something we absolutely had to stock. Now, we hadn't, as a team, heard about fresh chocolate before, you know, something totally new for us. And we learned that rather than using palm oil, which has been used for decades, centuries even, in chocolate production, Russell and Atwell, as a company, only use organic fresh cream from the Cotswolds. We find out about the history of Indian restaurants in Cambridge. You know, lots of restaurants did pop up, you know, when we reached the 70s, there were lots all over the UK. So it was something that the British enjoyed. Different kinds of food, for instance, um, Bombay potatoes, uh, that would have been the spicy chips, you know. It's almost English versions turned into sort of the Asian cuisine, really. We go to the Cambridge Cookery School where Elle Events is hosting the latest pop-up dining with My Persian Kitchen. Start off with a pistachio, walnuts, blend them down, a little bit of olive oil, 300 grams of feta cheese, fresh dill, mm, garlic, yogurt. fresh lemon juice. Love. Bit of Persian love. <laughs> Blend it all together. We've lots of food news too, including three new food stalls on Cambridge Market. The store's called Mormor's Swedish Kitchen. We're called uh, Badger's Chili Kitchen. And at the end of the programme, we have our job vacancy roundup. Cambridge has some astonishing food shops, Culinaris, Meadows, Midam World Foods, Arjuna, Daily Bread, and of course, there's the extraordinary Cambridge Cheese Company in All Saints Passage, which has an enormous range of high-quality food. The range is being added to all the time, so I went in on Monday and asked Camilla, who runs the shop, about what's new. Camilla, you've got so many products here which are utterly exciting. Thank but you. one of the ones which is particularly extraordinary is fresh chocolate. Can you yes, tell us I mean, something I about fresh chocolate? I completely agree. This is something that's really, really new to us. Um, and it was one of the kind of sales rep for Russell and Atwell who came in to show us these chocolates. And we spent an afternoon gorging on them and knew immediately that it was something we absolutely had to stock. Now, we hadn't, as a team, heard about fresh chocolate before, you know, something totally new for us. And uh, we learned that rather than using palm oil, which has been used for, you know, decades, centuries even in chocolate production, um, Russell and Atwell, as a company, only use organic fresh cream from the Cotswolds as an alternative. So um, it's a product that has to be kept in the fridge and that has a much shorter life. But because it doesn't have those kind of oils and preservatives, has a much cleaner flavour, this sort of silky smooth texture as you yourself have, have tried today. Um, and it's just a much higher quality product. 
Um, so lots of the ingredients are local. Um, obviously, the cocoa is sourced from outside of the UK. They, that's from Colombia, from a wonderful um, family business that have been making sustainable chocolate for 113 years. Um, but everything else is local. So the um, wildflower honey comes from the Salisbury Plains. The uh, salt comes from Dorset. And as I mentioned, all the cream and butter is organic and from the Cotswolds. This, this particular brand can only be bought in one little delicatessen in Oxford, um, close to where they're made, two in the Cotswolds and now from us. So it's really small production. I actually was speaking to a customer recently who had heard of fresh chocolates before and who, after seeing our Instagram post, came in moments later to buy a packet. Um, She's American from New York and she said that it's something that they had seen there before, um, but in the UK she'd never seen it. Really, really interesting thing and everyone that's tried it so far has fallen completely in love. We have two new ranges of charcuterie. Uh, The first one is by a company called Extrem, um, and that's from Extremadura in Spain, uh, unsurprisingly, based on the name. Uh, It's a wonderful company that use exclusively Iberico pigs in their charcuterie production. So all of these pigs are kind of black Spanish pigs. There's a huge history with Iberico um, meat. You know, every single pig has to be DNA tested to it to ensure that it's a hundred percent Iberico. You know, they're fed exclusively on fallen acorns, so they have this exceptional diet. They're roaming around outside one hundred percent of the time, so they're completely free range. That totally changes the marbling in the fat. Uh, and Extrem have a range of um, salsichon or salami, uh, a chorizo a sliced loin and some hand-carved shoulder as well so it allows us to sell this incredible you know usually very expensive iberico charcuterie from a fiver um up to the kind of higher end closer you know slightly over 10 pounds well that's um, all, that's, it does sound very reasonable it's incredibly reasonable for the product for the animal welfare um and actually the range is beautiful i personally love the chorizo um it's super flavorsome rich uh, absolutely beautiful. And you've got another kind of uh, charcuterie. We do. We're actually restocking something that we we used to stock pre-COVID uh, when our charcuterie sales were higher, and that's by Tempus. So I'm sure lots of you have heard of Drew Baker. He won MasterChef, I think it was back in 2010, and is a friend of the shop. Um, and he, after winning um, the competition, decided to go into charcuterie production. He's really committed to kind of using animals that have had a prior purpose rather than kind of breeding them from from scratch, you know, and using young animals. So all of the uh, cows he used for his uh, air-dried beef are ex-dairy cattle um, and the pigs he used are ex-breeding sows. Um, so all of the animals are over four years old. That gives the, the meat that they produce this incredible depth of flavour, completely different to something you'd find in a young animal that's been, you know, mm-hmm. just bred for kind of immediate slaughter almost. It changes the fat marbling, the fat ratio in the meat, and it's absolutely beautiful. They have a wonderful kind of custom-built sort of warehouse where they age all of their own products. You know, they allow these different moulds to grow on the salamis. They've put years of research into this, and it really, really shows, and we're so excited to have it back. And something else that you've been focusing on recently is is your sort of non-cheese and non-charcuterie yeah, range of things. Been... And some really interesting things here as well. Indeed, we've been looking at our kind of shop range and we wanted to sort of delete from that anything that's now available in supermarkets. You know, brands that have gotten a little bit bigger, 
changed the way that they make things, changed the standard of their ingredients. And we're moving now towards organic products, small production, um, mezze items, vegetables, all of that kind of thing. And one of the companies over here I can show you is uh, from Moulin Majdoub. Uh, I apologise for my pronunciation on that. It's a Tunisian company who make 100% organic products. We have a range of their kind of artichokes, sun-dried tomatoes. They make a beautiful artichoke puree and a sun-dried tomato puree. Their black olive tapenade, uh, for now, is our bestseller. Um, I mean, these, again, we received just a week ago and have already seen huge success um, they make a range of pasta sauces preserved lemons harissas all of these wonderful ingredients that kind of allow you to create your own dishes at home yeah. and it's all um, from Tunisia exactly wow. everything's grown but on the family farm there 100% organic um, dried in the open sun the traditional way yeah. uh, it's quite exceptional uh, you really can tell the difference and tell me something about your cheeses as well I mean at the moment, have you any idea how many different cheeses you've, you've got in stock? It, our full range is just over 200 cheeses, and we were only able to find this out when we launched a website um, post-COVID this year, and I had to write a description for every single one of them, uh, over 50,000 <laughs> words currently. Um, so, as I say, I mean, it's around 200. They are seasonal, so usually in the deck at any one time, we'd have around 100, 120, uh, but including the ones downstairs in our maturing rooms and in our underground fridges, I would estimate we have about 150 in the shop at any one time. Yeah. And any new ones of particular interest? We do, yeah. We get new cheeses in all the time. There's a couple of different um, ones we're interested in at the moment. We've just got in a new range of Dutch Chowder. So one of them is called Montbelliard. Um, and unsurprisingly, this is made entirely from the milk of Montbelliard cattle. Um, so their milk tends to be around 20% higher in calcium and protein than all other cow's milk, also considerably higher in vitamins. And whilst the cows produce less of it, um, what they do produce is much richer, has this wonderful kind of buttery, fruity flavour, is absolutely wonderful and makes this uh, Montbelliard powder. We also have another one called Blarcourt Bio, which is an organic one, a much younger powder. Now, for years, we've sold much older ones our, our best seller is the old Vade land that's over five years old um, which is aged downstairs in our cellars um, we have a, a quite a wide range in the sort of three-year-old area um, and occasionally and more recently we've been asked for younger ones so we did a little bit of research into that um, it's not something we've particularly done in the past but now we have a really beautiful and wide range of howders that are less than a year old so they have a much kind of softer texture lovely kind of creamy uh, buttery flavor absolutely delicious your job as a sort of the, the shop's taster is quite a good one isn't it it's a rather good one i can't see myself doing anything else anytime soon um we spend every single one of us spends our entire day eating here <laughs> and what we eat on the job is free so i would say that we do rather exploit that and something I bought here, I think probably last year, was a chutney. It had fig. I yes. remember it had fig in it. I can't yeah, remember that, that would have been our that homemade. Was astonishingly good. It's they're incredible. It's our homemade fig and apple chutney. Uh, now Jackie, the shop owner um, who opened this business nearly twenty-eight years ago, it's nearly our birthday actually, um, has always been really committed to having something homemade in the shop. Now she's a very keen gardener, very successful gardener, and is 
lucky enough to have a wonderful and very large garden in Cambridge. Um, so all of the apples, onions, uh, pears, etc., that go into the chutney come from her own garden. All of the quince that go into her membrio, exactly the same. Um, and the fig and apple, as you've mentioned, is actually happens to be my favourite uh, and is our bestseller. Um, but you'll see throughout the year, obviously, where fruit is seasonal, the chutneys are seasonal. Um, she makes marmalades as well at the end of the summer and then our chutney range changes uh, every month of the year. Right, and you've got some uh, rosebud chutneys as we well. We do, yeah, that's a lovely new company, I think, which was founded you know, within the last three or four decades. Um, now, the lady who makes them kind of grew up foraging uh, with her parents. They were very keen foragers, you know, hunters almost, um, and everything that they ate at home was homemade. And so she learned to cook from a very young age with her parents um, and to forage. And she decided, you know, as an adult years later, that it was something she really, really believed in. And she was sort of sad that the whole world couldn't experience that. So and now makes um, a wonderful range of, of chutneys. Yes. Yeah. And, but sometimes you, you get things like uh, fresh garlic in, don't you? Do you still do we that? We do. So and we, olives and things like that. Indeed, yeah. We travel to Paris every two to three weeks throughout the year to hand select every single one of our cheeses that comes from there all of our continental range Um, and then we also seasonally you know buy in fresh mushrooms we have these beautiful plats of garlic purple and pink garlic seasonally Um, I absolutely always have one on the wall in my kitchen Um, it doesn't usually (laughs) last a full month (laughs) I have a bit of an addiction to garlic Um, but yeah we again it's all seasonal so sometimes we'll have in beautiful cherries peaches uh, Seville oranges and blood oranges uh, throughout the season so there's usually something exciting on our counter. Very tempting. (laughs) Indeed. Camilla thank you very much. You're very very welcome thanks so much. Camilla has put all the items they have in stock on the Cambridge Cheese Company's website, a monumental task. They even have more than 100 chilli sauces. And you can order from them with zero carbon deliveries by Click It Local or Zedify. So did you get to try any of the new products? Yeah, uh, I bought some of the fresh chocolates, which are, as you might expect, much creamier than conventional ones and terrifically Moorish. Uh, I got some of the Montbelliard cheese too, and as Camilla said, it's rich and buttery. Yeah, it's really flavoursome, satisfying cheese. Uh, and I also bought some of the chorizo, uh, but I bought that to give to someone, so although I'm terribly tempted, I haven't yet tried it. On to our first new section now starting with news from Cambridge Market. There are three new food stalls on the market. One, a vegan cake stall, began yesterday. The week before, a new chilli stall started. It's there every Monday and Tuesday. Founder Lee Farina told Flavour all about it. We're called uh, Badger's Chilli Kitchen. The company name is called Badger's Artisan Foods. And uh, we are producers of hot sauces, and we produce snacks and relishes and some seasonings as well. Uh, I've got a range of almonds and peanuts that we do and some other bits and bobs as well. I've got not what with me today, but I do have some other stuff, uh, some corn nuts and things like that. All with chilli? Yeah, all with chilli, right. of course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is there a choice of how hot you get it? Yeah, there is. Yeah, they've got lots of choice on the sauces. We've got, um, we, we like to do our little tag phrase, which is from mild to wild. So we offer from mildest of sauces, so they're child friendly, right up into the uh, criminally insane sauces. So, yeah. A big range of stuff, you know. And when are you here? Um, here Monday, Tuesdays, 
Mondays and Tuesdays for now. We might add a couple more days or another day later on. We'll see how we get on first. So, If you're a chilli fan, you may be interested in the Huntingdon Chilli Festival, which will have around 15 chilli stalls with more than 100 chilli products. Producers from all over the country will be attending. There is no charge and it takes place on the 2nd of October from 10am till 4.30pm. Back to Cambridge Market News. Uh, the third new food stall is selling Swedish baked goods. Uh, and here's stallholder Maggie to explain. The stall's called Mormor Swedish Kitchen. Sells Swedish baked goods. Kanelbulla, which is a cinnamon roll. Um, Cardamomma bulla, which is a cardamom roll. And then we do a sponge cake called Sokakaka. And a slightly more savoury bun, um, a pizza bun called Pizza Bulla. And then we do our chocolate bits, which are Hoklar Bulla, which is a chocolate ball covered in sugar, and our Dam Suga, which has a bit of marzipan and a chocolate filling. Right. So things like cardamom and cinnamon are, are big in Sweden, are they? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're big spices they... in Swedish culture. So what does more more mean? So more more translates as mother's mother. So um, these are all my husband's grandmother's recipes. And so your husband is Swedish, presumably. Yes, absolutely. Right. And, uh, why? Do, how did it get started? So during lockdown, we just thought let's start something new, um, and it's taken off from there. Right. And it's going all right. Yeah, we're absolutely loving it. Uh, what day? What days are you here on the market? So I'm here every Wednesday, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. I tried the cardamom bula or cardamom roll uh, and it's nicely flavoured with cardamom and I thought the flavour was really well judged, not too, not too powerful or overdone and the bun was lovely and fresh, the whole thing was very satisfying so I will be returning. Himalayan pink rock salt is now back in stock at Emerald Foods on Cambridge Market. And if you're wondering about when the result of the public consultation on the redevelopment of the market is due, the city's councillors will be discussing it in March next year. But some news from Mill Road now, starting with the fish butchery. Finn boy Jay Scrimshaw has the details. We're, we're now open on a Tuesday lunch and dinner. And um, rather than doing our tasting menu on a Tuesday, we thought we'd um, do an a la carte menu just because we've got... There's a lot of people waiting to, to book, and so we want to try and get them through so at least they can have some sort of fin boy experience, so possibly on a Tuesday. So. Right, so the, so the evening menu is the same as the lunchtime menu, it's the small plates, medium plates? Yeah, but it's like there's more sort of dinnery things put on the menu as well, so it's not exactly the same as the lunch menu, but it's been tweaked a little bit for dinner. And then we're still doing the tasting menu Wednesday through to Saturday. Yeah, and still the brunch on Sunday. And still the brunch on Sunday. Thanks. Less good news from Mill Road is that after five years, Tom's Cakes is closing on the 24th of October. The lease is due for renewal and they are feeling the need to concentrate on the St Ives and Ely cafes, though they will be offering a delivery service for celebration and special occasion cakes to central Cambridge. More news later in the programme. But now, let's look at some Cambridge food history. The history of Cambridge's Indian restaurants. Yes, I met with Shahida Rahman in the beautiful surroundings of Cambridge Central Mosque. Shahida has been studying the subject of Cambridge's Indian restaurants and did a presentation on the subject for this year's Open Cambridge, which you can watch online. I'm delighted to be able to speak with you, Shahida. Tell me a bit more about why this interest in the Indian restaurant scene. My father established one of the very first in the early uh, 60s. So he came in uh, 1957 and this is when most men who came from South Asia 
Uh, they arrived here and they established restaurants. So I thought, let me do some research about other restaurants that were here at the time. So I, we knew my father's uh, restaurant, which was the New Bengal restaurant on Regent Street, and that opened around about 1962. But at the time, we were aware that there were other restaurants. So his wasn't the first, so I can't claim he, his was the first. So there were another two restaurants on Regent Street. There was the Shalimar restaurant and the Taj Mahal. They opened in the early 50s. And so they were already established and a very small community in Cambridge. And so my father went on to establish another restaurant, the Bengal Tandu Mahal, and that was based on Fitzroy Street in Cambridge. So he opened that round about 1972, so just after I was born, because I was born in... Uh, 1971 but we grew up in the Mill Road area so this is where the community most of them were actually based here and the community grew and, and branched out. My mother arrived in 1964. Why do you think it was that the restaurants became so popular? So it was a new thing that men brought with them so if we go back about 100 years the first South Asian men who came were Lascars. They were Asian seamen who worked on British steamships. Uh, they helped with the, uh, uh, the trade in England, so they brought back food such as spices, tea, coffee, and they helped ferry them back uh, uh, here to England. So most of them, uh, they learned how to cook on board the ships. Uh, because they had to feed themselves. No, there wasn't anyone to actually cook for them. So it was a small community who learned to cook and that, those skills they brought with them here. So those that did settle here, they didn't plan to settle here. Uh, the journey was quite rough. It was very difficult. It took about four months just to travel from India. So they jumped ships and they... Uh, settled here, they created small communities and that's where we saw the cafes spring up, the small cafes and the restaurants. And in fact, the first Indian restaurant was set up in uh, 1810 by Sheikh Dean Muhammad and he was King George IV's shampoo surgeon. So he um, set it up as a cafe. So he w had already thought of offering pilau rice, you know, pineapple pilau, all sorts of different dishes. So it, it actually goes back a long way. But for those who arrived in the 50s and 60s, again, it was a skill that they had. It was something that they could offer to you know, British society. And that's exactly what they did. So when these men set up these restaurants, other men also came and it was a place for them to work and also a place for them to stay. So this is how the community grew. So there was always work for them, which was great, you know, at the time. Everyone was supporting each other and helping each other at the time. But were there other specific Indian restaurants or Bangladeshi restaurants um, in the Mill Road area? Yes. The Kohinoor restaurant was established in 1943. And since I created my presentation, which is on YouTube, it's part of Mill Road History Society, I discovered, yes, it was the first Indian restaurant, but it was actually located in Trinity Street. So someone brought that information forward. Um, so Trinity Street in, in Cambridge, and then it moved to Mill Road, but it was the first restaurant uh, in Cambridge. And that was quite interesting because uh, I went back to look for some photos. There aren't any photos of that restaurant. So it's based on information that someone was telling me whose father had set up a restaurant here. 
I need to go back and, and, and look at that and find out what that. That's really exciting to know. But the, the Kohino restaurant, it was opened by two brothers. They opened it uh, in other cities such as Birmingham, Glasgow. Um, there's five restaurants in all. So it's interesting to see, you know, 1943, right in the middle of the Second World War, uh, we had uh, an Indian restaurant. There were others, so I'm still uh, looking at the history there. But, you know, lots of restaurants did pop up, you know, when we reached the 70s, there were lots all over the UK. So it was something that the British enjoyed. Different kinds of food, for instance, um, Bombay potatoes, uh, that would have been the spicy chips, you know. It's almost English versions turned into sort of the Asian cuisine, really. And so it was really different for people to have. Um, but the most famous dish would, would have been chicken tikka masala. Um, so, you know, that is the most popular dish uh, in the UK. But aren't some of the dishes if you like, modified for the English palate somewhat. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So I think with home cooking, it wouldn't be the same in restaurants. It's a totally different taste, but restaurants will tailor uh, food to suit the English palate, really. So, yes, for for me to eat uh, food in an Indian restaurant, it really is different. You know, I enjoy cooking, you know, I, I, I really love cooking. It does take time to cook Asian food, but, you know, with restaurants, they don't have that time to spend an hour to cook uh, a curry. But uh, there are great restaurants in Cambridge who really do uh, serve such wonderful food. Uh, I think it suits all, so it's great. At the risk of offending other restaurateurs of uh, an Indian style in Cambridge, which would be your favourite ones? That's a very difficult one. I think over the years, we've seen a decline in restaurants. And to be honest... There's not a huge amount of restaurants in Cambridge. The Curry Queen on, on Mill Road, that's been open for more than 40 years. And the previous owner, used to, uh, who recently passed away, he built the first tandoori oven. There's a history there. I do remember when my mother used to visit uh, the, the restaurant, she used to know the owners, so we used to visit when we were little. And, and we did used to go there. But I think, you know, every restaurant has different dishes and it, you know it's changed over time and now restaurants are serving fish whereas 40 50 years ago that, that wasn't the case you know there there was no fish on the menu so things have changed quite a bit again it's to suit the english uh, taste you know how people would like that do you think that people know enough about the regionality of Indian and Bangladeshi dishes because it's a very large country with very many different regions. Yes, and that's a very good point because I think when we talk about Indian restaurants back in the 60s and 70s, the majority of them were actually run by Bangladeshi men, but Bangladesh became independent in 1971, so it was, you know, East Pakistan. So you know, they did use the term Indian restaurants. It, it helped to market it very well. But today, in this day and age, you know, most restaurants are run by Bangladeshi men and, and families. So, but I think with different styles, different tastes, different flavours, you know, there's just so many dishes. Uh, most restaurants do serve almost the same uh, menus, but obviously they are different and I think they're all doing a tremendous job, but the curry industry is actually in crisis. I think we've seen a lot of closures over the years 
and also people have found different ways of rather than going to a restaurant to eat you can get the frozen curries in supermarkets and it's cheaper so it really has hit the trade quite hard. That's a bit sad. So in other words, get out there and support your local restaurant. (laughs) Yes, and I think the pandemic has also been a factor of, you know, restaurants being hit hard, but they're all trying very, very hard. Uh, And and they do offer such great food. I would recommend, please do go out there and support Mm. your local Indian restaurant. I just want to ask you one last question, which is about the foundation that you set up. It's a Karen Foundation. Uh, My brother and I, we launched that uh, on the 22nd of September 2020. It's almost a year old, uh, which is, uh, you know, we're going to be celebrating our first anniversary. So that came about due to the pandemic. We set up, uh, my brother and I, Cal, we set up a fundraiser for the Cambridge City Food Bank and we raised just over £18,000. But from that, we decided, well, some of the food that we're seeing, it's not catering for all communities. You know, we do have communities who do need diverse needs. And we set up the the COVID-19 Muslim response, which was to provide culturally appropriate food uh, to our communities. And then from that, uh, we led to um, uh, launching our charity in uh, in September. So today we are still continuing to help families, to help all communities, those particularly hit by the pandemic. We're providing food and, and fuel support, you know, uh, fuel when we say helping people heat up their houses. You know, we also provided blankets uh, and heaters uh, last winter as well. So we've been doing a range of uh, different things. Uh, so there's just so much uncertainty at the moment and people will continue to need that support and we're here to help them. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing that the support that we've had to be recognised, you know, year on that we've d- done so much in the last year. And all thanks to Cambridge Ethnic Community Forum because we are working with them as a partner organisation and without them, uh, Eddie Stadnick, who's the CEO there, uh, we would not be able to do this. So it's lots of different organisations coming together and we're all supporting each other. So it's been absolutely amazing. So if people want to donate or help in any way, what would you suggest they do? Yes, so please um, do uh, search us online, Karim Foundation. We uh, still do uh, ask for donations because we need to continue our work and that's exactly what we wish to do. So we are on social media as well. But we'd just like to say thank you to those who have already supported us and who've been there for us and we hope to continue helping families and individuals in need from all community. And the name of the foundation again is the Karim, spelt K-A-R-I-M, Foundation. We're going to take a two-minute break now, and we will be back with more local food and drink news, as well as L of L Events and Cyrus and Abigail from My Persian Kitchen. 105. Cambridge 105 Radio. Kickstart your weekend. Saturday Breakfast with Matt Webb. I'm here every weekend to get you moving. I have the latest from the Cambridge News Desk on the hour and half hour. Problems on the A14, Newmarket Road or Mill Road? Well, if there are, you'll be the first to know in the travel. There's a full sports roundup at 8.30, including what's happening at Cambridge United and our other local clubs. Plus a look at the Saturday papers and local online publications at 10 to 9. That's Saturday Breakfast with me, Matt Webb, this weekend from 8. If you're like me, you've got a family and a business. And you want to protect what's most important when the chips are down. With Woodfine Solicitors, that's exactly what happens. I got a bespoke legal service from a friendly expert team. They really listened to what was going on and tailored their recommendations to my situation, which was, well, that's another story. Anyway, the best thing was that it all happened online. 
A few simple clicks and I had my quote. That freed up time to focus on everything else. Get the help you need when you need it most. Visit woodfinds.co.uk or call Cambridge 411421. Woodfinds, cutting through the red tape. What does your home need to feel complete? Gap Home Improvements have been helping customers give their properties that curb appeal for over 20 years. You've seen our vans in your area providing dedicated support to families across Cambridgeshire. Windows, doors, garden rooms, conservatories and warm roofs. We offer free quotations in a pressure-free environment. In person, on the phone or by video call, our consultants will help you realise your property's true potential. Call Cambridge 914-567 or visit gaphomeimprovements.co.uk today. Welcome back to Flavour. Now, about a month ago, I was listening to L. Roberts Nissen on Steffi Callister's programme. Now, L. runs L. Events, and one of the things that she's got going on at the moment is a series of pop-up restaurants at the Cambridge Cookery School, which is just off Hills Road. I went along to the most recent pop-up event to meet with Elle, and also to meet with the chefs who were putting on the meal that week. Uh, they were the local team, My Persian Kitchen. I think I'm quite lucky in the sense that I've always known what I want to do. I've always wanted to be an events planner. That's L of L Events, a business that she started during the height of COVID. It's that spotting an opportunity in lockdown that would never pop into my head. I think during lockdown it gave everybody some good time to like reflect and a lot of the chefs I work with as well, you know, they started their own businesses during lockdown too. So I've got Ashley Sargent who started Kale Dining and he did the takeaway meals during lockdown, Faster Pasta. They're not chefs. One of them's a biomedical scientist and one's a lawyer and they just love making pasta together. So they started a home delivery service every Saturday and now they're out cooking live for people and in the kitchen so yeah I think all of us are kind of on the same wavelength with that kind of thing I think I learn something new at every single event that I do and then I, I like to catch up with the chefs before service to see how they like to work it runs really really smoothly though and I think the pre-order system as well helps with that smooth service yeah the pre-ordering the admin the booking the venue I'd not really given that much thought to how much of a chef's time that can eat up Here's Cyrus Nadiri from My Persian Kitchen. Normally we have to do that kind of organising by taking people's bookings. So realised it was actually nice just to be able to focus on the menu. Mm. So thank yeah. you very much, Elm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, really good, good job. Great job. <laughs> so L Events has hired out the space at the Cambridge Cookery School for 12 Saturday evenings. The 12 weeks is about building brand awareness for L events, but also giving awareness to the chefs as well that might not have like a regular kitchen that they can cook in and being able to give them this kind of space is really great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the lifestyle of the restaurant chef wasn't for you. You wanted to do pop-ups, street food, private functions. Here we are, you're doing pop-ups. This was our first one in over a year. So I've really enjoyed it. Abigail, how's it for you? It's been a really good one. And it's lovely to sit down with everyone We've now. We've got a great team here, yeah. you have to say. Sit down with Hell the team. Really kind of organised things. So out of the 12 weeks, where are we up to? Are we about almost halfway through or just over? Yeah, six weeks left, yeah. How does it feel so far? It's been great. Like August was completely sold out, all of the events. And September, we've had higher numbers, but we've also had more intricate dining experiences. So like the cheese course night and things like that, which was great. And then um, a six course bum South African braai. 
there's a real variety going on here. When you mentioned the cheese, was that the Rennet and Rind evening? Yeah, yeah, it was by Rennet and Rind. And yeah, I try and get every weekend to be different to the last weekend, you know, from Cajun, um, South American to rotisserie chicken, Mediterranean vibes. Yeah. <laughs> so on this night, Cyrus Nadiri and his partner Abigail Plett were serving up a Persian menu. I was lucky enough to have a Persian diner sitting opposite who could give her thoughts on the dishes. We started with a sharing platter, a large one, which came with kashke badamjoon. Kashke badamjoon. Which includes aubergine, tomato dip. It also includes feta, pistachio and walnut dip, which was quite new to me. I mean, I'm Persian originally, I'm Iranian. So this was like really interesting, lots of flavours. I really loved that one. Also making up the starter platter was a dish of zeshun pavade. Zeytun pavade. Zeytun pavade is also very exotic in Iran and it's really hard to make a good one. So, but I was really impressed by how fresh it was and you know, I really love the touch of the pomegranate on top. It was marinated olives with ground walnuts, garlic, mint, seeds and pomegranate. I'd never had olives with pomegranates before. They go together really well. Then there was torshi. Torshi. A very traditional dish of really tangy veg pickled in spices and vinegar, grown from the chef's own greenhouse in Cambridge. Yeah, torshi is like basically a side dish for us. We normally have it on the side with like uh, other stews. The joy we get from actually growing our own fresh produce, then putting it into the dishes, is absolutely amazing. We had the aubergine, we had the onions, we grew ourselves garlic, herbs, tomatoes. (laughs) <laughs> it's difficult to remember everything that goes in because we try and preserve a lot of the vegetables as well because of course it's seasonal. Sorry, torshi as well. Yeah, yeah. torshi, yeah. Vegetables Pickled vegetables, well. yeah. Mm. And you can't get as local as that. When people say <laughs> source locally, I mean, we want to go that one step further and actually kind of produce our own stuff which goes into our dishes. Mm. And yeah, I was quite happy with the kubide, I mean. Lamb kubide kebabs. There are no Persian restaurants in Cambridge, and I was happy to find actually this one in a starter platter. It's normally a main dish for us, but you know, with the size that he actually put it was quite nice. They describe it as succulent grilled lamb kebabs. Yeah. I've never had lamb that was that soft. Yeah. I'm actually more used to more grilled version of that. I mean, I think there was a new spice in it. I couldn't really put my hands on it or it was. I kind of feel like he westernized it somehow. <laughs> yeah. I get the impression that that's the sort of thing he wants to do, to put his own stamp on these recipes. Yeah. And, and I felt that's where it came through with, say, the feta pistachio and walnut whip. Yeah. It was so smooth, it was so creamy. It felt like it was something for the British palate, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that. I actually kind of feel, feel the same way that, you know, he wants to combine the two worlds, really. Yeah. I think he's doing a good job. To me, it tasted Persian, but it was also, like, new to me, so, yeah. That's a funny one because that one is Persian-inspired. The thing is, with lots of the Persian desserts, traditional desserts we've tried, they're often quite heavy. And as you've just found yourself, by the time you get to an end of a Persian meal, the last thing you want is a heavy pudding. (laughs) (laughs) And so that one is one that's it's not a traditional Persian dish, but it is an absolute absolute favourite. Everyone loves it. Just try the feta dip. Always a success. <laughs> <laughs> For the main, we had the Gamer Badamjan. Gamer Badamjan. Who is a tennis player. Really? 
<laughs> I'll fall for anything. Uh, again, I was surprised by this one that it came with chicken. I mean, um, I have a feeling that he wants to introduce vegetarianism and veganism to the Persian cuisine because Persian cuisine is heavy on like, you know, lamb, beef, chickens, that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to find vegan and vegetarian dishes. I think it's the case where we tried to put our own little twist and our own little touch to it. Yeah. So we tried to keep it as authentic as possible. And also we're very conscious actually of the ingredients we use. Mm. Chicken is a, a lower impact meat. And in fact, the way we present our menu is it's 100% vegan and anyone who wants meat has to request it. So it's the other way around. Normally you're in a restaurant and you have to request vegans. For us, it's the other way around. So all of our dishes are potentially vegan, except for one or two dips and things. It's the same with the fashion dip, um, the sweet and sour... Stew. Stew, sorry. Um, back at home in Iran, that's normally served with, with duck. Mm. But it's another thing where, yeah. vegetarian-wise, we actually serve it with um, cauliflower. marinated cauliflower and turmeric. When I was looking up the game of Bazimjan, every dish was with lamb. Yeah. I couldn't find one with chicken. To me, it was almost mind-blowing. I was just telling my friend, if my mom was here, she would be like, what? <laughs> because I think game is actually means, it means diced. So, and it stands for diced beef or, you know, lamb. So the fact that he's using chicken in it is really interesting. I wanted to have his opinion on it, like what he was thinking. But I think it kind of worked out well, yeah. You get big servings. Definitely. I mean, we got the large platter and we actually shared one dish. It came with like um, you know, a lot of rice, which is really Persian, that one. <laughs> that thing. Yeah, you know. The way we usually have saffron rice is a little bit of saffron rice to top the actual rice. But this was all saffron, so that was really cool. <laughs> the great thing I love about food is it just the way it connects people. Different cultures, keep it simple, keep it fresh. That was something that surprised me actually is having learned to cook these dishes now is how few ingredients there are. Mm. It's really astonishing. The, the flavours are just so simple. And in some ways I'd say that's a little bit like Italian cuisine. I think it's more like ethos in, in life. Just keep things simple, don't complicate things. Um, what's been really nice as well is that I've had um, regular people come back emailing me the next day asking what's coming up. I think that just shows that we're doing a good thing here and it's kind of it's wanted in Cambridge. Well, Cyrus and Abigail, thanks for inviting me along to your to your pop up evening. Well, thank you for coming. Been a long time, and hopefully um, we have to say thank to Edie, who's a part of our team, <laughs> to Elle, who actually organised this and um, who actually invited us to to this building and Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. So it's been half of Elle's team. It's been great. <laughs> Customers have all been very, very happy and um, can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You know, when Cyrus mentioned at the end there that it had been a long time, it's because we first recorded with him back in 2016. And it's great to see both him and Abigail doing what they love best, developing my Persian kitchen and working with good people like Elle. And speaking of which, Elle's got more events coming up at the Cambridge Cookery School. On the 2nd of October, it's British Fine Dining Cuisine with Jason Howard. Then it's the turn of Apple and Jalapeno doing a five-course Cajun-style evening. After that, it's Rotisserole coming in and doing Mediterranean rotisserie chicken. And Elle's events finishes off with Jason Howard, who will be doing a ten-course South African evening. Tables are available for many of those dates, so if you like the sound of any of those, the website to go to and book is l-eventsltd.com.
www.lucyfoster.co.uk. And you can also check out her Instagram, L underscore events LTD. And that has all of her upcoming events as well. And likewise, if you're a fan of Persian cuisine and you want to check out Cyrus and Abigail's menu, all of that is online at mypersiankitchen.co.uk. They also offer a free six-mile radius delivery from the centre of Cambridge, and they also do jams and preserves and traditional Persian ice cream, and you can find that at Café Blue Sage on Mill Road. Uh, more news now. Corinne Paillet of Gourmandise is running a free cook-along in which you make flamacucha and apple galette. You're asked to make a donation to a UNICEF appeal for Afghanistan. It's on the 7th of October from 6 to 8pm. Email contact at gourmandise.co.uk for info and to join in. The Wine Rooms in Hills Road is running wine tastings on Wednesday evenings. They last an hour and cost £10. This week it was comparing Burgundies with New World Pinot Noir. They begin at 6pm and you can walk in or book. Maximum number who can attend is 10. Congratulations to Stem and Glory in Station Road, which is committed to being carbon negative by the end of this year. It uses a 100% renewable energy tariff and no gas. Now at the moment its emissions are one-fifth of the average restaurants. In addition, it uses no animal products and it's moving from single-use coffee cups and lunchboxes to reusable ones for further energy savings. The excellent Pudinis in Willingham has published its October Supper Club menu on Instagram. It's £40 per head and it happens on the 8th and 9th of October at 7.30 in Willingham. On the 9th of October, L Events at Cambridge Cookery School has a faster pasta pop-up. The mains are gnocchi with creamy basil pesto and prosciutto with chestnut sauce. There are side dishes too and a dessert provided by a professional pastry chef. And Jack's Gelato in All Saints Passage is now closed until next March. That closure is for this winter only. It's very much open in Bennett Street, though, from 10am until 11pm. Uh, some course news now. Uh, White Cottage Bakery is running a French bread workshop on the 1st of October. That's £140. A sourdough workshop on the 8th of October for £160 or £175. And an introduction to artisan bread making on the 29th of October for £110. Cambridge Cookery School has an evening course of North African and Middle Eastern cookery on the 7th of October for £135. Uh, cooking classic fish and seafood on the evening of the 14th of October, uh, £175. And at half term, there's a daytime class for parents and children on cooking curries. Includes flatbreads, dal, chicken curry and a sweet potato laksa. And that's £45 for children and £90 for parents. Noel Young Wines in Great Shelford has restarted its themed evenings. The first is on the 30th of September. It's a wine and tapas evening with five courses each matched with a different wine. Book for either 7pm or 8pm so the kitchen can manage. It's £49 and bookable via the website. On the 29th of September, there will be the launch of an Eat for Our Future video. On the 2nd and 9th of October, Cambridge Sustainable Food will be at Cambridge Market, helping people learn more, get involved and make a pledge to eat climate diet. More events are planned up to the 20th of October and we'll be featuring them on the next flavour. In the meantime, you can look at the Cambridge Sustainable Food website for more details. 
And finally, on today's news, Co Farms in Cambridge has grown 10 tonnes of fruit and vegetables, worth about £45,000 for nine community food hubs. You can help them continue this work by donating through the Just Giving website. And very fittingly, here's where we bring you details of free food available now in around Cambridge. The information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which is free to download. Such a great app for getting such great free food. So here are some examples of what's been available recently. And Nina, who lives near the train station, had some Indian sweets to give away, along with about half a jar of quinoa. Joseph on Coldham's Lane had a 100-gram bag of very fresh coriander from Kale and Damson. Grace, who lives in the very centre of Cambridge, a rose crescent, I think, she had a pot of cold-infused Twinings tea. That's watermelon, strawberry and mint flavour, designed for water bottles, apparently. And Clarin Arbery has some carrots and melon, fresh from a local greengrocer going spare, whilst Carol on Cherry Hinton Road was the Oleo food champion. She was distributing loads of Pret-a-Manger goods, which were all fresh, just technically expiring that evening according to the label. And this food included a whole load of mixed croissants, pret salad boxes, ham and cheese sandwiches, super club sandwiches, Italian prosciutto baguettes, chicken pesto and rocket flatbreads, smashed avocado open sandwiches and hot soups. And another free app called Too Good To Go has unsold food from restaurants and shops often at less than half price. Rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag, ready for you to take home instead of being binned at the end of the day's trading. The sound of green onions by Booker T and the MGs, and that signals the start of our job section. Cambridge Cheese Company has several vacancies in the run-up to Christmas. It includes shop floor work as well as tasks like filling hampers. Pop in for details or phone Cambridge 328 672. Barbarella in Chesterton Road needs a barista. Experience is useful. Restaurant 22 is looking for chefs at all levels. It's a four-day working week and a very competitive salary. So, for more info, or if you'd like to make an application, just email alex at restaurant22.co.uk. Camborne Foodies has a zero-emission delivery person needed to deliver in Camborne. Uh, initially for two to three hours a week, the pay is £10 per hour. If you're interested, email hey at camborneFoodies.com. Aromi in Bennett Street is looking for a pizza chef. Pay is from £8 to £12.50 per hour. Email jobs at aromi.co.uk. Chefs are needed at the new Cambridge Tap. That's next to Revolution on the corner of Downing Street and St Andrew Street. So just go to mcmullencareers.co.uk for details and to make an application. Uh, a quick roundup of other vacancies now. Apply via the company's website or try popping in at a quiet time. Uh, the Red Lion in Cherry Hinton urgently needs a daytime chef. A skilled sous chef is needed at Pint Shop in Peace Hill. A commie chef is required at Girton College. And Fancits in Mill Road also need a commie chef. Sous chefs are needed at Wagamama's and Bill's. And finally for today, a sous chef and a junior sous chef are needed at the Ivy in Trinity Street. And that brings us to the end of today's programme. 
We are here on alternate Saturdays at 12 noon, repeated on Mondays at 6pm and on Thursdays at 2pm, and we will also be available via podcast early in the next week. Coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1 o'clock is The Business of Cambridge, and that's followed at 1.30 by A Sense of Tumour. Uh, but that's all from us. We'll be back on the 9th of October with lots more food and drink news, jobs and features. But until then, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.